Hi, and welcome to the Savage Podcast. I'm Rose, and I'm a content creator going by the handle Cheap Lazy Vegan. And I also own a vegan cafe by the same name as the podcast, which is Savage Cafe. And I'm Daniel, also a vegan and one of your favorite guest stars on Cheap Lazy Vegan's YouTube channel. We're two friends currently living in different countries, and we'll be giving our savage take on all things life, veganism, and the latest trending topics. So basically, whatever comes to our minds, because we love to talk. You are currently listening to the previous episode of this podcast, but if you would like to listen to this week's episode and get some exclusive content, go over to patreon.com slash the savage podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the savage podcast. Hey, guys. All right. So today uh, we thought we would discuss... Oh, we're we're gonna be back in a somber mood. I know. I was just back in a somber mood. I was just thinking because our last our last episode was kind of a more of a fun one on uh, modern romance, whereas right. this one is definitely. Um, I think again, it's it's an important thing, and I think we need to continually be talking about these events and stuff to keep them kind of um, at, at, at the forefront. So that these, these things that have happened don't kind of, um, fade away. And I guess don't make the change that they were not intended to, but like, um, do you know what I'm trying to say? I'm, I'm struggling yes, with my I'm totally, words today. Yes. <laughs> Daniel, every episode you say the same thing. Every episode you're so struggling true. with your words, but it's fine. No, I got what you're saying. Uh, you yeah. did, you did fantastic, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank I you. mean, I was hoping thank that you. you would do a fantastic job because, uh, homegirl is a little hungover today. Are you? You know, I'm I'm well, I'm going through some stuff, Daniel. I'll be drinking two two days in a row. I know. I was and like, oh my I goodness. Ain't 18 no more. That's true. Well, I'm also a little yeah. bit hungover though, too, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel's still in quarantine mode, but am, uh, yeah. what did you drink last night by yourself, Daniel? Oh <laughs> way to make me sound like an alcoholic. Um but no, I Daniel, just, you'll be in quarantine. True. I was watching, I was watching some movies last night and, mm-hmm. you know, had a delicious curry and with my curry, I was, uh, finished a bottle of wine and then I just started my own little... I'm convinced that your entire diet is wine and curry. I think it might am be right I, now. Am I... <laughs> like I have like... I've Not li- even just right now. Don't no. even use the quarantine as an excuse. <laughs> no, I can't. No, I've been eating, I have, well, I always eat a lot of curry. It's like my favorite food because like... It is. You can make them so different tasting and also with like so many delicious vegetables and I don't know, they're, and they're just super easy to make. So, um, mm-hmm. did you make your new favorite curry? Is that what you did? Daniel? I keep trying, but I'm, there's like a spice or something. It's not as good. Yeah. And I'm getting really frustrated. So that's so mm. weird. Anyways, I'm, Daniel's trying to make the best curry apparently, which yeah. apparently is not tasting the same in Canada. <laughs> no, well, it, it's because my friend showed me this like curry when I was living in Spain and it was just like so good. And I've tried to recreate it a few times now that I've been back in Calgary. I think I'm just gonna have to go looking for some, I don't know, spices or something. Well, what are you missing? Well, we had this like random, like it was like a, a red pepper um spice in the house okay and we're using that okay. i'm gonna see if i can find that again i think that's what the key like ingredient is oh, that i'm missing i see yeah so it's, a, it's funny how like one spice can make such a huge difference but it just mm-hmm. it does right so even the quality of ingredients mm-hmm. can make a difference yeah you know i imagine that produce in spain is quite nice it is very nice in canada it'd be quite shit <laughs> <laughs> actually it hasn't been that bad like the stuff that i've been eating at my parents house like it's been really nice like they bought like a ton of fresh um fruit and veg Aww. so i've been just eating like lo- i've been eating quite well actually so 
You have been. They're yeah. so sweet. They got you so much food for your little quarantine. They did, yeah. And and they got me a today. Um, they went out and they, yeah? they got me a Beyond Burger. Oh, she <laughs> from where? Like the like from the grocery store? Oh, the A and W. So good. Oh, they're so sweet. It's so good. They should um they should just get you the ones where you can make it at home. Yeah, that's what well. that's what I'm gonna do. Well, I think from when the grocery um, store. When I'm done quarantine, I'm going to like, I think some of my friends are like planning some barbecues and stuff. So I'm oh, just, shit. I'm, I'm going to get my Beyond Burgers. I'm going to buy a packet of them. Daniel, I better be the first person you see when you be get, getting out of the quarantine. Well, the thing is, Rose, you would be, but you're so damn busy. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see you. Oh, shit. Wait, what's the day? Like, tell me the day that you're out. So I think officially. I mean, I imagine you're going to be spending the day with your family on that yeah, day. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's officially this Sunday. So I think that Sunday I'm going to spend the day with my parents. Um, yeah. and then, yeah. So then I guess officially I'll count it as Monday then when I actually get to like yeah. leave the, uh, so Monday evening, shall we meet? Ooh, not this, not this Monday, by the way, next Monday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know that you have a, we have, you have a week left now. Yeah. You've almost made a week. How do you feel? Are you going crazy? Well, in the beginning it's weird because like you think, because like when I was in Spain, Pardon me. I did like nine weeks of this. So you think I would be used to like quarantining, but let me tell you yeah. coming, I think there was like a <laughs> mixture of emotions, like coming back to Canada and I don't know. I just, I felt really weird the first couple of days. Like I felt really like blah and like, you know, uh-huh. questioning my like decision to move back. Entire yeah. existence. So I was a little bit. But now you feel better. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot better. Yeah. So I'm feeling that's good. And, and like yesterday I was like super productive, like got a bunch of stuff done, um, applied for some jobs, like stuff like that. So I was just like, yeah, you know, if I, if I keep my days busy, it's, it's good, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, it's fine. We all have our moments of feeling sorry for ourselves. Exactly. And then I, I snap you back into yeah. reality. I mean, if, if, if I wasn't in quarantine, Rose would have slapped me back into reality, but you know, <laughs> no, no, no physical contact at the moment, Rose. So, <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to get a little blanket. Are you cold? I'm so cold. My body's been, you know, just Oh god, I hope you're I hope you're not getting um like uh fever and and the covid. The covid. I don't got the covid, Daniel. I just got the the hangover. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Where did you guys go again? Uh so yesterday we went to um uh, Joey's. Okay. And then we were out on the patio. We were there for like five hours oh, and then we went damn. to a brewery. So we went to cold garden brewery. Bre- uh, I can never, if there's one word I cannot say, it's brewery, 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 brewery. say it. Brewery. <laughs> it's such a weird word. It is a is weird, it not? Yeah, it's a very strange word. I cannot get my, like, seriously, brewery. Is it a new, is it? That a, sounds weird. It does sound very odd. Brewery. I don't think it's a new word because it's, no, no, you know, no. I, it's where they make, what do you mean? No, I meant I meant is it a new uh is it a new uh bar or whatever this place that you guys went? Brewery. Yeah. Cold Garden. Yeah. Well, y- uh I think it's new for you uh, because you haven't been here for a while, true, but true, it's true. been it's been out for some time. We should go. It's really cool. Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, I want to like oh, I hope damn. that you know, when we see each other on Monday, maybe we can go somewhere like a pub or something. Cause I really, oh, damn, I just Daniel. need to get a drink. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you just got drug last night. No, but I don't mean that. I mean, but I yeah, no, be we out. should we should go go for a drink. Yeah. Yes. Okay, fine. We'll go for a nice dinner for some drinks. Have a little date night. Uh, Romantic as hell. Oh, God. Well, that'd be the only romance I'd be getting at this moment. So, God damn. Okay. (laughs) Me too. So, you and me both. So, is it? So, is it Pride today? Well, it's like, it's like, apparently, it's supposed to be, it's like Global Pride Day. So, it's like, um, oh. 
and I guess it's like Pride Month. Oh, but is it something that they made up so that everyone can celebrate instead of... Because like usually people would have pride in their own city, right? Yeah. So is it a new thing for this year or has it always been Global Pride Day on this day? I'm actually not sure. So this is the first time I've okay. heard of it because normally, yeah. like, you know, for example, like in London, they have their Pride Week or like even in Calgary, mm-hmm. Calgary had its uh, Pride events and stuff. So yeah. I've never heard of like Global Pride Day. I could be wrong, but like this is the first time I'm hearing of it. So yeah, um, I think it's a new thing that they're doing because obviously people are in lockdown. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're not going to do Pride, which sucks. Yeah, I know they're doing a lot of uh, like virtual Prides. So like, yeah, but it's not the same. I know it isn't. Pride is just so fun. Mm-hmm. How do you feel, Daniel? I, How do you feel? I, it's pride. Do you feel proud? Oh God, damn, Rose. <laughs> How you be feeling? I've, I've, Tell me everything. No, I think I think I definitely feel like proud. I feel like prouder. Like now, I feel like the compared to like ten years ago when I like kind of first came out and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like the world has changed so much. Oh, more than ten years ago now. God, God damn. Um, oh God damn, you be aging. You're saying. Um, but yeah, no, I think globally, well, maybe not globally, but at least the places that I've been, it's come a really long way. Like even in Calgary, I feel a lot more comfortable. And so Mm -hmm. I'm definitely thankful for that. Um, but I think with regards to like, I don't know the one thing about like pride and stuff, it's like, Mm -hmm. I like, I do have some gay friends, but I've never really like, I feel like I've never really fit in with the gay community. I don't know why, but like, I just have Mm, never really like been part of that community, which kind of sucks. It's like sad, but at the same time, you know, I just, right. for whatever reason, I just never have. So maybe, maybe now is my new opportunity to get more involved with kind of like pride events and things like that in Calgary. So I could, yeah, I could see it, totally. see it as an opportunity, but yeah, no, I'm definitely like, I, I definitely feel yeah. proud, you know? God damn. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you be having lots of female, straight female friends. <laughs> that be your, your demographic. That's very true. I, I literally like, I think, I think 95% of my friends are straight women. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't nothing wrong with that. Okay. Exactly. We just, we just have a connection, you know, we both, mm, we both like, the... it's cause you'll be a 16 year old girl. <laughs> that is my spirit animal. We both like the same thing, you know? So there's lots to talk about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Maybe that's what it is. Mm. Who knows? Yeah. Just, yeah. I don't, I don't know why that is. It's like just one of those things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's not a problem. No. Um, Anyway, so today's topic is now that we've we've had a moment to catch up and everything. Um, mm-hmm. It's a bit of a, a bit of a um, somber one, as Rose mentioned. So basically, um, going going off the back of you know like the George Floyd incident, the Thirteenth documentary, um, Rose also recommended me to watch another documentary called um, T- uh, "Time: The Khalif Browder Story." Um, yeah. So today's episode, we're just kind of going to discuss some of the things that happened. And honestly, um, for those of you that haven't seen it, I highly, again, highly recommend it. It's, it's an eye opening, um, experience, experience, um, an eye opening, um, documentary. It's very eye opening. Yes. It's a docu-series. I think there's, was there six episodes? Yes, there's six, six episodes in total. And I think again, it's just like for those people that are still non-believers of systemic racism and what goes on in the, Mm -hmm. in the, um, criminal, criminal system in the U S this is like a very um, detailed discussion as to specifically what happened to Khalif, but probably what happens to hundreds, if not thousands of other um, young black men. So, mm-hmm. well, or, or young um, ethnic, not just yeah, young yeah. ethnic minorities, basically. Yeah. I mean, and, and of course it doesn't just happen to black men. Yeah. There, there are, of course, whoa, it is raining like crazy. Oh, Anyways, uh, it happens to, you know, 
I think it happens more so to people that don't have money, essentially, yeah, no, right? No, exactly. And that happens to be in America. A lot of that happens to be black people, yeah. unfortunately, like because of all the things that we've discussed mm. and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, this puts kind of like a face mm. to that kind of to all the things that we've been discussing, and I think that's what like uh, hits harder because yeah. it's like his story of what happened to him, mm-hmm. but knowing that he's not some kind of um, outlier he's like the norm an example yeah and and mm-hmm. and i think also too the reason why i think it is so powerful as well is again when we see a documentary like the 13th and everything which is again another really powerful documentary and all the stuff that's been being talked about about systemic racism it's kind of like a almost like a bird i want to say like a bird's eye view like we're hearing about these like big things right, right? but you're right this really brings it to perspective as this is this man's story and exactly how he um, went through the system and what had happened to him and his experience is very, very like specific to, um, not specific to him, but it's like, it gives it, uh, it gives like, a um, an example from start to finish of somebody that's gone through the system, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. So Daniel just finished watching it. Was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. Was it yesterday? Oh God. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. Can't believe you watched this during quarantine by yourself. I really shouldn't have. It was a tough watch. Especially um, in the beginning, I wasn't so, so bad, but it was towards the end after he, after he gets, oh, by the way, if you haven't seen it guys, well, there's There's going to be loads of spoilers. But it's, I mean, it's not really like spoilers, but like you'll find out what happens to him. But like, I would still recommend watching it um, because... Because I knew, like, I knew what happened to him before I watched it, but I yeah. didn't know all the details of everything and exactly. what this poor boy went through. I know. And there was, there was just the thing that, like, really oh. also was frustrating is there was so many, there were so many things that happened in his story that made me, like, also, like, question, like, why is this happening? Why is this, why is this yeah. happening in the system? And you're right, like even from the very beginning, it's, it, it's, it's done in such a way that it does target basically people that don't have money because if, Absolutely. if he had money or his family had them, had the money, they wouldn't, this wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. So, Oh God, it's just, it ties in with so many different problems. Mm-hmm. So, so let's just kind of jump into like what happened okay. to him. So basically Khalif Browder was a 16 year old, uh, black boy living in the Bronx yeah. in New York. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that don't know, Bronx is a bit of a rough area. It's a bit, um, it's definitely more, um, impoverished yeah. and especially for New York, yeah. but yeah, so it's a very impoverished area of New York. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of minorities live there, yeah. uh, black people, Latinos, stuff like that. And, this 16 year old boy, I can't remember which year this was, but he was walking home from a party mm-hmm. and he got stopped by a police car yeah. and somebody accusing him of stealing a backpack. And yeah. it wasn't even that day. It was two weeks before prior. I watched this. Yeah. So something, so I guess this one guy got his backpack stolen mm-hmm. by a black boy yeah. and you know, it was in the dark and you know, you can't see people in the dark. Exactly. Like, but the, but the, cra- you know? the crazy thing is too. Okay. So the, yeah, that, that's the event that kind of kicked everything off was these two, I think they were um, Mexican, these two Mexican guys, yeah, they were brothers, brothers and they were working in the U S and basically again, they said his brother was attacked by two black men. And the crazy thing is where the guy was attacked. Yes, it was in the, in the evening in the dark, but it was in this kind of like alleyway that was kind of lit up a little bit. And there was a camera in the alleyway. Right, and they never checked. No, and they, Did they never they check? They never pulled the footage ever. Oh my god! Right, that's insanity. So, so they could have they could have actually checked and confirmed. Exactly. There's so many things that that could have happened. Even we're we're talking about like the step one of this guy basically, yeah, in the cop car, um, saying to the police, 
Hey, that's the, those are the two guys that stole my, stole my brother's backpack and stuff just because there were two black guys hanging out together. It was the one guy. I think he blamed the one guy though. It was the one guy. No, no, no. They both so got, he blamed Khalif. No, no. They both got arrested. What happened to the other guy then? I, the thing is they never really clarify what happened to the other guy. Are you sure they him. both got arrested? Uh, I'm like 99.999% sure. Uh, what? Yeah. Which is like crazy. Let me just double check. But like. Yeah, two black guys. They took my brother's book bag. Oh. I did not rob anyone. The police searched Browder. They did not find the backpack. Okay. So I guess they arrested. Maybe that guy had uh, bail money. Yeah. And uh, not only that, it wasn't just... Because another thing that happened with, with Browder is... So his family didn't have the money. But then what happened was about a week later, his mom had borrowed the money from a... Um, a neighbor or something from like a loan. No, it was like a, wasn't it like a, uh, okay, whatever. She borrowed yeah. money. Sure. She borrowed money basically. And she went to go to the bail bondsman to pay, pay for the bail. Um, and this is yeah. about a week after the bail had been set. And so she went to the bails bo- bail bondsman with the money and the, the bail bondsman was going to like, you know, sort everything out. But apparently because Browder had a prior charge, History. A history, exactly. And the, the prior charge, what they talked about as well, was joyriding in a in a in a um, bakery truck or something stolen. Like, yeah. yeah, something like this. Um, and something he did when he was like. I don't know, young and stupid, like 15, 14 years old. Exactly. Exactly. Right? And, and again, even, I mean, even the magnitude of him, if, if he had stolen the backpack, I mean, none of what happened to him should have happened for a freaking stolen backpack anyway. It's a backpack. Exactly. And so, yeah, so his mom went to go pay and the bail's bail was denied because of this prior charge. And they said, sorry, you can't pay this bail. Um, only- because I think the bail became, they, they increased the bail because of this prior thing as well. I think that's what happened. Yeah, I think so. Something along those lines. Yeah. So initially I think the bail, uh, sorry guys, if we're, if we're getting any of the facts wrong, mm-hmm. but like, I think initially the bail was like $3,000 or something. Yeah. And then later, um, because of this other thing, it was raised yeah. or something like but that. Then, but then the, just, just this exact thing, this exact concept of bail it's so fucked up. It's so messed up because if you think about it, they're saying, okay, we're setting this person's bail. So they're, 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 they haven't been technically guilty yet because they haven't had the trial. Right. So they haven't, mm-hmm. they haven't, so they're not really guilty. They just want to, they're holding this person until the trial. However, if that person happens to be rich enough to pay the bail or their family is or whoever else, they can pay the bail instantly get out and wait trial, but live their normal life until the trial comes up. Exactly. So, and, and, uh, they could be guilty of, horrendous crimes, not like, Oh, stealing a backpack. It could be like, they could be guilt or they could be not guilty, but they could be, uh, accused of like rape or murder or uh, maybe not murder. What do they do with murder? I I don't know. I think for some more severe crimes, then it's not as, uh, but like bribery or like, you know, those, all of those kind of, you know, white collar people, they always get out because they have money to pay bail. Exactly. And then kids that get not even just kids but young people or people in general that get arrested and potentially uh accused of even petty crimes Mm -hmm. can't leave because of this bail system because they don't have money exactly i don't understand why what the purpose of the bail system is because like the thing is um because often 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 bail um, is denied for people that are considered like flight risks and things like this. But you would think if people, right. if people had more money and they committed a serious crime, they're the more likely ones to flee the country and disappear. You know what I mean? Like they're the ones that have the money and resources right. to, to, to do that kind of stuff. So I just, I really, I haven't done enough research, but I don't understand why the bail system is in place. Like why mm-hmm. is it that somebody can pay a certain fee to get out and await trial versus having to be imprisoned and incarcerated and await trial? Why does that exist? 
So that right away yeah. is discrimination against people that don't have money, like ultimately. Absolutely. So absolutely. Yeah. So then, oh god. So apparently, I, I read a statistic, and I think they did mention it in the in the docu series as well. Mm-hmm. Is that seventy percent of people sitting in prisons right now are awaiting their yes. trial? Yeah. Seventy percent. So more than half, mm-hmm. a lot more than half of people haven't even been tried. Mm-hmm. So that's what's crazy. So literally the whole concept of innocent until proven guilty is just something that we say, but it's not something that we actually exactly. have in practice. Because why is it, why are all of these people <clears throat> that could be innocent, a yeah. lot of them probably innocent, why are they uh, sitting in, in prisons right now? And that also is a strain on the government and the, and the economy because it's expensive to keep those people in prison. You know, they're, they're having to pay, yeah. you know, all of this extra, extra costs. But like, why if they're considered innocent before a trial that they shouldn't have to be, you shouldn't be held. You shouldn't be in custody until following the trial. You know? Yeah. I wonder how it is in Canada. I don't know. Like what is the system in Canada? I don't know enough. I feel like I want to know a little bit more about it. Yeah. But maybe, maybe um, that can be like another, we'll do like a research, oh research and comparison. It's so messed up. Yeah. Okay. So that's okay. So basically, so he was, uh, he couldn't afford bail. Yeah. His family couldn't afford bail. Yeah. And he ended up, I still can't believe this. He ended up staying in. So he was brought to Rikers, uh, Rikers which apparently Rikers Island, Mm -hmm. which is apparently a prison that is, uh, usually houses very violent criminals and is known to be very, you know, not a very good place. No, it's like renowned. I think some people called it like the Guantanamo of like the U S or something like that. For why are they even sending him there? Like, is my it, question. It makes it literally makes no sense. Like there's so many things like along the way. So that's the, yeah. that's another one along this this journey that 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 Khalif went mm-hmm. through. And yeah, why? Okay, so now you have this guy. He can't. His family can't afford bail. Now we're sending him to a renowned prison for you know serious serious violence. Where you know not only that, but you're having corruption of officers and all of this kind of stuff. And it's renowned for this. This prison was known for that. So why are you sending somebody that? hasn't committed a serious crime to this really intense prison again. Like, yeah, it makes no sense. No, It's crazy. I think they just like throw people there. Yeah. Like they just don't care. Mm-hmm. That's my kind of theory. They just don't care. It's in an Island. It's not w- in their vicinity. Out of sight, out of mind. So they're just like, exactly. Yeah. Let's just throw these like troublesome black kids there mm-hmm. so that I don't have to think about it. And that's why he was there for three years because nobody really gave a shit that he was there. Exactly. Well, and, and then another thing that really like, again, makes me question why does this go on in the US judicial system and again it might happen in Canada I'm not 100% sure I don't know enough about mm-hmm. the Canadian system but okay so you've moved him now to Rikers which we'll talk about in more detail in a minute but then also as as so he was there for three years and as part of this he had several meetings or like trials kind of not trials so but many. so many meetings with judges and what I don't understand is like there was there was one judge that was in the documentary for example where they were saying do you take any responsibility for this you he was in your courtroom six times over his three years. He went to your courtroom six times. Um, but the prosecution was never ready. They kept pushing back the trial, all of this stuff. And it's like, why was nothing done? Do you know what I mean? Like why was this? I didn't really understand that part. I'm like, why is it? They were constantly. So basically they would tell him, Oh, your trial date is this. Mm. And then they would go to the trial and then the judge would just say, Oh, it has to, we have, we need more time. Well, It wouldn't be the judge. I don't think it was the judge that said it would be the prosecution. So the prosecution would keep saying, Oh, we weren't able to, we need more time to get the witness. We're still, um, we're still talking to the witness and whatever else. And it just kept kind of like going, but you think after about six times, 
times of seeing the same person in your judge in your courtroom of over yeah. a freaking stolen backpack, which is already yeah. in itself like the, the so ridiculous, it's so ridiculous. And you would think as a judge, though, the eighth or the sixth time of seeing this person and the prosecution continually um, saying yeah. uh, that you, you we don't have the we don't have the information or we don't have the we can't get the witness we're, we're still talking to them. We need to push back trial that eventually the, the judge would just be like, this this case needs to be dismissed, which is ultimately what happened with the final judge. Uh, so they probably could have fucking done that 100%, 100% because the, what happened was... Oh, my God. And we are jumping around a little bit. We'll, we'll go through like the yeah. stuff at Riker. Sorry, guys, if it's not only like a mess, but... Yeah, but <laughs> um, the main... I'm just going to look up her name. There was like the last judge who's like renowned for being um, like... Qu- the one that keeps making everyone take a plea deal yes, or something? so... She looked despicable. Yeah, but she's the one. Um, so Demango, Judge uh, Judge Demango, who's really like known for really pushing people to take pleas. Um, and over this period of the three years, Khalif was offered like several different plea deals. Yeah. One for three and a half years, another for two and a half, and they would take into consideration his um, time that he'd already spent in Rikers. Which again, all of this is so fucked so up. So he could have been released. So so the thing is, see, yeah. So that's another fucked up thing. So we yeah. talked about how fucked up bail is, right? Yeah. And then another more even more more fucked up thing is that now so if you are accused of a crime Mm -hmm. you would think at least like i used to think that you know most things go to trial because you know you want to weigh out you know the evidence and see if the person is actually guilty or not but what happens is over 90 percent of people that are accused of a crime end up taking a plea deal Mm -hmm. so over 90 i know it's crazy so that means only like 10-ish percent of people actually go to the actual trial yeah. of, you know, showing people's evidence. So what happens is that these people that take a plea deal, we don't actually know mm-hmm. if they're guilty or not guilty, no. but they are offered something that they feel like they can't refuse, exactly. which is why most people take that. Well, towards the end, one of the final um, plea deals that Demango was offering to Khalif was basically if he took the plea and pled guilty, he could have left there and then that day. Yeah. Um, and he would have had like, he was still had a criminal record and whatever else, but like she said that he could, he could have left that day and he still denied it because he's like, I'm not going to, you know, say that I did, I'm guilty of something that I did not commit. And I think yeah. the then the last time, um, Demango saw him again. And again, the prosecution like was, you know, needing to push it back and everything. And she said, look, you guys, we have to dismiss these charges. So she's the one that eventually was like dismissed. Is she the one? Yeah. She's the one that, um, she, she freed, Freedom, basically. I feel like at that point, they literally just knew that they couldn't do anything. Exactly. Because I think at that point, prosecution had not... It was very obvious that prosecution didn't have anything on him. And basically, the two... The Mexican guy that um, that accused him was already in, out of the country Mexico, for years, yeah. I think. And, 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 yeah. and again, I think we, we, we think about this case and it's like, literally, all of this happened... Over a freaking backpack. That's what blows I my know. mind. That's what uh, that's what really that he didn't even steal. I, but no. even then, yeah. even if it was him, even if he had stolen this backpack, even if he had, he did not deserve this this crazy punishment. Like, do you, yeah. you think about it? Like, this deserves a slap on the exactly. wrist, if anything, or maybe a small fine or community yeah. service. Do you this know what I mean? This is how you create. This is the problem with this fucking system. Mm. This is how you create worse criminals. Yeah. Okay. People always talk about, oh my god, these uh, there's so much crap in these black communities. Mm -hmm. Why is there so much crime? You know, first of all, there's so many different reasons as to why. Of course, there's the poverty reason, which is probably the biggest reason when you have a situation where 
people don't have money, mm-hmm. they're going to commit crimes. That's just, this has been proven time and time again. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Yeah. And then, of course, you have situations where police specifically target these poor people. And then, mm-hmm. of course, they can't pay bail. Uh, they can't pay bail. They yeah. can't leave. And then they take a plea deal, become a criminal, mm. potentially. Yeah. They've spent time in potentially a very violent environment, which is a prison. Yeah. What are they going to learn in prison? Exactly. And this is the thing too. It's like, especially at that age when you're like 16, 17. And if you're in, mm-hmm. cause your brain is still like technically developing, you know what I mean? Like you're still yeah. like, you're still growing, you're still learning and you're right. Like if you're put into a very, very violent and aggressive situation and th- and we haven't yeah. even started talking about the solitary confinement cause that comes in a little bit, oh God. but like just, just <sighs> the, the general situation. Like even if I, I think about myself, I put myself into his like position to think about what I would do. Number one, I don't know if I would have been as strong as him to not take a plea deal because he was the strongest. It's crazy. I was shocked. I was shocked as well because especially towards the end when they were like, look, if you take this plea deal, you can basically leave today. Um, and he was like, no, yeah. I'm not out of principle. I'm not going to take this. Um, but I also think about how, you know, he was like constantly beat up and it, and it's, and he, this is not an isolated yeah. incident. This happens to a lot of people in prison Oh, 100%. where not only was the inmates, like the other inmates that were like really, really aggressive with him, but also the, mm-hmm. the, um, the, uh, what are they called? COs or whatever the like corporate or not corporate, the, Oh yeah. The, the correctional, correctional officers, that's what it is, correctional officers. Yeah. They were also really, really aggressive so with fucked him. Up. Yeah. And so I think there was like a combination of those things and that's not even talking about the solitary confinement. It changes somebody when they leave. So mm-hmm. now you're saying, okay, they took the plea deal. If, if he had taken it, he's branded as a criminal and you know, has this, you know, experience of two, three years in a intense experience. I think anybody would change in that, you know, you, you might actually become a criminal because of that. hundred percent. You, if you don't change from that, mm. you might not be human. Yeah. Like there's no way you can experience that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as a child Yeah. and then go in. So basically he was also sent to, um, a solitary confinement within. So in the three years that he was in prison, he was in solitary confinement for about two years. Two of those years. Yeah, because he would, you know, again, they would get into fights and he would get beat up a lot. So to like protect him, they put him into solitary confinement, Mm -hmm. which has been proven time and time again as torture. It is literal torture. There was was a stat that they said, and again, I'm not going to quote it exactly because I don't remember. It was like Mm -hmm. something about the UN or something like this. They said any, any solitary confinement for more than 14 days, um, is, is considered uh, torture. So any, yeah. any, 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 uh, yeah, any form of like solitary confinement past the 14 days. Um, and also they even talked about it in this documentary, this docuseries about how, and you have to think about this, like any rational person, even, even think about us in quarantine when we had to do the quarantine, which is a very mild example of what someone goes through in solitary. Mm-hmm. Cause we still have our computers and we can talk to our friends yeah. and everything else. Imagine being trapped in your room. With nothing, with nothing to do, nothing to do. You have no books, you have no computers, you have nothing. Oh God, I can't even imagine. And they say that most people after about, I think it's the after 14, it's like around that 14 day mark that people actually start to, to, to go crazy. Go crazy. And the longer yeah. you're in this kind of like discontinued or not discontinued, this, this, um, kind of confined, disconnected. Disconnect, yeah. That's the word yeah. I was looking for. Disconnected from society and everything else. You develop. Mm-hmm 
anybody in these circumstances would develop some kind of mental issues. And then, so they put them in solitary confinement and then they would release them back to the general prison population. And of course, at this point, he has a lot of, you know, demons going on in his head because of being trapped in solitary confinement. So he'll get in more fights and he'll get in more stuff thrown back into solitary confinement. So it was like this vicious cycle. And you're right. Of the three years, I think it was about two, two of those years were spent in solitary confinement. And Oh my God, seriously. Like it's, it's just, it's crazy to think about like what. Yeah. And then. Okay. What, this makes me so mad. mm. In what circumstance do you think this is appropriate Mm. to put someone into solitary confinement? Mm -hmm. In what circumstance do you think, what, what are you trying to achieve? Exactly. From locking someone into solitary confinement because you're going to release that person back into society without any psychological help, without any counseling, Mm. without actually trying to see, you know, without trying to fix the damage that solitary confinement did, you're just going to release them back into society. And then are Mm. you going to be surprised that you have repeat offenders, people that are doing like shit over and over again and people that get in trouble, people that, you know, can't integrate into society Exactly. after you fuck them over by putting them into solitary confinement. This is it. This is it. I mean, the crazy thing is too, is, is while he was in prison, um, because it was also mentioned that he tried to take his life several times. So several times. Yeah. So he tried to hang himself. He tried to cut his wrists one time. Um, there was just multiple suicide attempts made. Yeah. And he also made requests to see a psychiatrist while he was in prison. Um, this is what, this is what's crazy. So he, he, um, he made a request. I think it was before his first suicide attempt. He basically said, I really need to talk to somebody. I'm not all right. Like I'm mentally like I'm, I'm fucked here. Like I need to, I really need to speak Mm -hmm. to somebody. And then they were just like, you know, denied him, didn't do anything. They ignored him. And And then another time when he tried to commit suicide, they beat him up. Yeah. So then he tries to commit suicide. They beat the shit out of him. The COs, the, the, um, correctional officers. And then again, he asked for, I think, psychiatrist or, you know, to see a doctor and to, to, for men, like, you know, someone to talk to and stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, it was denied. So the entire time, and again, they're continually throwing him into solitary and they're not doing any kind of rehabilitation work or any kind of like work, like to help him uh, recover from the damages that is, that is going on in the prison. Yeah. Like, but let's, let's, let's just face it though. A prison that has and uses solitary confinement, of course, they're not going to give a shit about their mental this health. Is so true. Of course, they're not going to give them a psychiatrist yeah. or counselor because the fact that you're putting them into solitary confinement in the first place mm. means that you don't give a fuck about these humans exactly. and you just want to treat them like worse than, you know, that you would treat your worst enemy. Exactly. Why? And it all, it's like, Oh, how do you not have any, Decency. I know. And all of this for allegedly, and not even, didn't steal this backpack. <gasps> but again, I think I think to myself, even if he had, which he didn't, but even if he had, why yeah. is he being solitarily confined for two years in these crazy circumstances? Mm-hmm. Like this should not, this should not happen. This, this, mm-hmm. this docuseries really, really emphasized and highlighted the problems with this system every, yeah. every single step of the way. Every step of the so way. You, the fact that he got arrested yeah. wrongfully in the first place with no evidence yeah. just because he was black and the Mexican guy thought, oh, this black kid must have stolen exactly. it. Like, what the fuck? No evidence whatsoever. He wasn't even caught on the spot. I know. It wasn't even like, oh, you had a backpack on you and like that. Maybe that's his exactly. backpack. They didn't search. They, and then also the officers apparently oh. didn't, they didn't search his home to see if any of the stuff was yeah. there. They didn't look at the video footage of, uh, of the, of the camera that was literally yeah. at, and even the, the Mexican guy, I think he was saying that there was a video camera or something. Um, but yeah. nothing got, n- nothing got saw. Blech, nothing got watched. So you have the yeah. issue of him getting arrested, the issue of them not doing a proper investigation or looking into anything. Um, yeah. the issue of, issue of bail, bail, 
Then you have the issue mm-hmm. of throwing them away to to Rikers, this crazy facility mm-hmm. that, you know, shouldn't really, if, if people are having these misdemeanors and stuff, why are you get t- sending them to this kind of crazy facility? Yeah. Then you have, yeah. you know, the fact that there's like the corrupt, you know, officers there that are, you know, beating him up as well. The solitary confinement, the denial of being able to see anyone for any kind of psychological help. Then you mm-hmm. have... The sorry, I'm like getting so passionate, but it's like so. Yeah. You know, then you have the fact that it's so during oh, those God. three years, he has multiple meetings with several different judges, all of yeah. which is de- de- like the 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 hearing is delayed, delayed, the trial. delayed, delayed, delayed yeah. for three freaking years until they finally say, actually, you know what, we're going to dismiss the case, and at that point, without any. Fuck, no. The thing is, and then they kept offering him plea deal after, after plea yes. deal. And he didn't take it. He didn't take it. And finally, when they probably realized that he's not going to take a plea deal. That's when they said. They're like, well, I guess we can't, we have nothing on you then. Exactly. So this is what. What? And then uh. on top of that, though, too, Rose, is like, think about also. So you've, you've had this guy that's been, you know, confined, solitarily confined for two years, which would drive anybody mm-hmm. crazy. Um, Absolutely you're releasing them to society and you're not offering any kind of like counseling or support or any kind of after prison care. They're just mm-hmm. saying, apparently he, ha- he had to like go and take a bus home or something. And like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. They gave him a Metro yeah, pass. They like said, what the fuck? Here's a Metro pass. See you later. Sorry for keeping you, not even a sorry for keeping you here for three years. Yeah. Like, this is like it's cr- imagine. Yeah, but it, I'm surprised. You know what? I he must be a fucking angel because I'm surprised he didn't just get a gun and shoot everybody. No, I know. Like it's crazy. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like yeah. it could have went the other way. Hundred percent. You know, imagine how angry would you be, right? Mm. And like one point that they made was that a lot of people that get wrongfully accused, like so the in- innocent people, yeah. they're the ones that actually end up causing some trouble in prison because they are so upset that they are, they are in prison in the first well, exactly. place, right? So they were like angry. And imagine 16 years old, you're already a bit angry. You're already a bit, you know, you're 16. So your hormones are raging or whatever. And then you get wrongfully convicted of this or wrongfully accused. Mm. You're sitting in prison for something you didn't do. So like how pissed off would you be? Exactly. And then they throw you into solitary and then release you. And all they give you is a fucking Metro, a metro pass. pass. Here's your Metro pass. There you go. See you later. It's, it's so crazy. But the, and then, the, and then the, re- yeah. the really sad part though is, well, I mean, if, if, if this is, this all isn't so crazy and like sad already mm-hmm. is what happens after as well. So it's like, Oh my God. Continue. It's like you constantly yeah. have. So, so we've had this really, and the, the question I have is like, I know that they um, announced, um, I think it was at the end of the documentary or I might've read it somewhere afterwards, but they've, they are announced that they, will be closing that prison. So, but my question would be, is that really solving the problem? Do you know what I mean? It's not. Because it's not necessarily the prison itself, but it's the processes that are in place. So those are the things that need to be looked at. Why is this bail? Yeah. It's like, what, why is closing? That's the thing. I was wondering that. I'm like, why is closing the prison going to fix this whole situation? It's like, how about you train your correctional officers properly Mm -hmm. and make sure that they know how to handle you know, people instead of beating them up, mm. like they are just as bad as the prisoners, if not worse, because exactly. they're the ones that are supposed to be, you know, maintaining order in this place. Mm. And there's absolutely no order. Exactly. And there's so much corruption, even within that prison itself. Yeah. They were showing how there's like gangs within the prison mm-hmm. and then the gangs are like buddy, buddy with the correctional officers. So yeah. if you're outside of that gang, then even the correctional officers are just going to let them just beat up this kid. Of course. Well, and, and just like turn a blind eye. Well, and because a lot of the correctional officers as well is they make money from from the there's there's that huge yeah. thing. Remember they were talking about like smokes, for example. One officer was yeah. saying, you know, I could buy a pack of smokes for ten bucks or whatever, and I can sell it in there for like a thousand 
or something crazy like this where he's like making, he's like, it's easy money. So of course he does it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like there, that is like, I feel like closing the prison is a scapegoat. It's kind of like, Hey, they've had a lot of intense scrutiny around this case and it's been a global, I mean, when it happened, it was like, you know, global news. It was like, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, and it was good that like Khalif was getting out there and trying to tell his story and stuff. I think that was really, really powerful. But at the same mm-hmm. time, like closing the prison isn't addressing the root of the problem. It's kind of like, it's almost like trying to distract people's attention from what's actually yeah. going on. Cause it's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the facility itself. It's what was going on inside the facility. It's the, it's the, exactly. it's the steps that, that led, um, Khalif to being in that facility in the first place. Um, yeah. and also even the process within the, the judicial, the judicial system, is when you're going to these like trials and, mm-hmm. and they, they keep getting pushed back and pushed back, how, pardon me, how long can that go on for? There should be, you know what I mean? Like, w- yeah. you know, wh- why are Because didn't they say that there was some kind of something that uh, requires you to have like a short... Yes. The, oh, um, the, one of the, you know how we're saying um, innocent until proven gr- guilty? That's one of the yeah. like kind of... 10 commandments or whatever it is requirements. requirements. Another yeah. one though, is that you're entitled as a uni- United States citizen, you're entitled to, you have a right to a speedy trial. What does that mean though? Because this guy waited three years. Exactly. Well, clearly that's a, that, that, that is a, that is not a speedy trial at all. Exactly. So that's another issue again. And, it, and again, closing this prison is, is not doing anything yeah. to this problem. So it's like, you need to address what's, what is actually fundamentally right. going on. And then, Oh my God, if this isn't as bad, bad enough, um, when this story gets out and stuff, I think, um, I don't know if it, I can't remember oh, if, if, if it was Khalif's idea or if he was approached by a lawyer or something happened, maybe it was his idea, but basically he wanted justice for what had happened to him. Mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. so they decided to sue the state of, um, New York, I believe, um, right. for basically all of this stuff that's happened. Um, and then he, he goes through this like, um, really intense deposition. Do you remember this part? Which, which part? So basically they, so because he was, pre- Oh yeah. yeah. Because he was pressing charges against so, the city. The oh, state. That part made me so mad yeah. too. And then literally, basically what they did is they sat him in a room with the state prosecutors and then they were like, they have to do this thing called like a, de- I don't really understand the whole the, a deposition. Yeah. A deposition where you basically yeah. by oath have to like explain your situation and they can question you. And they were like asking him like some really, really intense questions of stuff that was just like super irrelevant. Um, Mm -hmm. and again, the, um, the state kept pushing, pushing that trial back and back and back and kept doing that. And it kind of like, um, emphasized these cause when, cause when Khalif got out, he was talking about how obviously he has a lot of mental issues that he was trying to deal with. Um, Mm -hmm. but he was saying like, sometimes he'd catch himself on the train, like talking to himself and like all of this stuff, which is a result of the, you know, what's happened to him. Solitary confinement probably. Yeah. But then he also Mm -hmm. developed a, um, this kind of paranoia. And Mm -hmm. I guess when you're in these constant circumstances where, you know, the government and the things that are like the, I don't know what, 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 what to call it, but you know, like the, like basically the facility, like the government and everything is the things that are supposed to protect you. Yeah, You're constantly coming up against them and they're not, they're not protecting you at all. So that's going to just, so yeah, he, yeah, he was trying to sue. So he, he and the lawyer were trying to sue the, the state or the, you know, the city or whatever it was. So, but then in order to do that, you have to go through that whole deposition process, which yeah. is, which seems very, very long and tedious. And they go through like your entire life, yeah. ask you all kinds of questions and basically make you seem like you're not credible from the beginning. So it's like, they're not, they're already exactly. like, you know, your enemy. Yeah. So, 
I mean, after being treated like that already, mm-hmm. then going through that process, and then of course he has all the mental issues from being in prison yeah. and being in solitary confinement. And then also he, um, because he was getting some press from the from this whole incident, yeah, he was like, you know, on some news networks and stuff like that and his face was getting out mm-hmm. there. And because of that, he started becoming also... Uh, a target yeah. for some violence exactly. because he lives in a bit of a rougher neighborhood. Yeah, basically he said it, it happened quite a few times where people would jump him and they would say, you know, yeah. give us give us money because they just figured... Because they thought he had money now exactly. because he was on the TV. Exactly, because I think a lot of people... Well, people that obviously live in that area, they probably th- think or assume, yeah, this guy's on TV doing talk shows. Mm-hmm. He's probably making, you know, mad, mad money from this. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, it's crazy. And then it was a really sad excerpt as well. When because you know how he he was trying. The thing is, is he's such a um, you know someone that's really really admirable because of like how strong yes. he was as a character and a person. Because a lot of the stuff, like one, st- not taking any plea deals and maintaining that whole time. You know, like you said, like ninety percent of these cases, people will do plea deals because I, I and me myself, if I was in that circumstance. I don't know if I wouldn't have taken a plea deal because... I think I would 100% take yeah, a plea deal. because I don't know if I would have been as... That's why 90% of people do. Exactly. So I wouldn't... It's insanity. It's crazy. And then, so people are like admitting to, or like saying that they did crimes that they didn't. Um, and then um, he was going to like community college to like get an education and everything. Yes. And he was doing really, really well. Um, and then there was this program that this guy created for oh, that, young... that broke my heart so much. I know. It was so... Okay, tell the story. Yeah, so basically this, this other guy who had been a... Um, he had been in prison. This 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 guy like years ago. He started a program for specifically for young offenders that had been to prison and potentially had like solitary confinement and things that do mess with you mentally. He created mm-hmm. this like outdoor program where he would take a group of of these guys or girls, guys and girls, um, out to like do a camping trip or out in the woods or like hike the Grand Canyon or do these kind of like get away from a society and everything and just get out into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And he said for him, that was like super, super helpful. It was a space where he could like create a new experience for himself as well as clear his headspace from everything that had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually Khalif was on the waiting list or not waiting list. They, they were going to take him. He applied for yeah, he applied. it and they were going to take him. Yeah. And, but then unfortunately at that time they weren't doing the trip until like six or eight maybe months, like six months later. Yeah. yeah. So then he, at that time, he was disappointed because he wanted, because he was obviously fighting the demons at that yeah. moment. So he wanted to leave at that moment. Yeah. But then he couldn't yeah. because the trip wasn't until later. And then didn't his lawyer try to like, like basically get him to not go because of the whole suing? Yeah. No, the, this was another thing too. His lawyer said, we, we yeah. have to wait until, until this trial is done um, yeah. because, you know, you need to be around and we need to, you know, we need to keep, keep, yeah. go, keep going with this. Um and like, I don't blame the lawyer. I'm sure the lawyer didn't mean to, you know. No, the lawyer was, seemed like such a nice guy, to be honest. He was such a nice guy. Yeah. And he didn't, I'm sure that he like maybe had second thoughts later on mm. after, you know, what happened. Yeah. But yeah, I just, that was such a heartbreaking thing. Cause I was like, oh my God, like if he had gone on that trip, yeah, like if the time like, you know, it probably would have done. It probably would have done him wonders. You know what I mean? Like exactly, um, because he was always just in the you know in that same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Went back to that same place where he got arrested. Yeah. So like, he he had no escape exactly. at that time, and it was crazy. So this could have been his escape. Exactly, and it was crazy because like even his family members were saying like the stuff that he was doing, like he would be having a conversation and all of a sudden he'd start getting paranoid of them as well and be like, oh, right. you know, and his his moods and everything. It was like literally this time. 
it, it, it messed up his life. You know what I mean? It just 100%. mentally everything. Like it's just, it took basically, it took, well, it, it literally took his life away from him. So yeah. So he ended up, um, I guess we didn't mention it, yeah. but he, after I think two years of leaving prison, he yeah. was, well, he was in school for a bit. He was yeah. trying to turn his life around, yeah. but he obviously had so many mental issues that he couldn't deal with. Exactly. And eventually he, uh, ended up killing himself, taking his own life. Yeah. And it was, he was only 22. So literally this thing happened. So he was 16. So he was in prison for three years, 16, 17, 18. And then, then he was out for a few more, three or four years after, and then killed himself. So. Well, they basically, I mean, they killed him, honestly. Like this is like not even a a suicide. Like this is a full on, not a suicide because he wouldn't have done it otherwise. Exactly. It was also really, really sad too. Like, you know, the part where like they were, um, he was like going to trial with the city um, and all of a sudden his like estranged father appeared in the picture. <gasps> oh, the father, the father pisses me off so oh much. Oh my God. It made me so That man. Ang- oh, I know. Whoa, Rose. He is like the most despicable oh, man. He's like, he's like, but this just shows you how disgusting people can be because like oh literally tell the story, Daniel. He, what he happened? hadn't been in Khalif's life ever. At all. Ever, and now basically. all of a sudden, and even during prison and the whole time that Khalif was in prison, his, his, like his mom was visiting, his mom's like really, really sick as well. She had like a oh malfunctioning heart. His mom passed away too. Did you yeah, know yeah. that? No, it happened during the documentary. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. The documentary mentioned it. Um, but basically yeah. his mom had like this heart condition where her heart only pumped at like, tw- at one point it was 50% capacity, but as the documentary went on, it went yeah. less and less. Um, but she would like get on a bus and go and see him once a week, even though it was like really hard for her. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and she was there through the whole thing. And yet his father was like never around was like he, he, his father had had a bit of money as well. He wasn't like so, um, poor. So like, and he, he could have paid for his bail. He did not, he didn't pay for the bail, nothing. And then the second he gets a little whiff that, you know, his son is now going to sue the city, probably going to be getting a landslide, um, Mm -hmm. you know, um, amount if, 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 if the trial goes according to plan and everything. Yeah. And all of a sudden he appears out of the woodwork and said, you know, I'm here, I'm here to fight for my, fight for my son's, uh, you know, behalf. And, you know, I think I'm entitled to half of the, uh, the, the proceeds. Fucking. It was just, did he get any money? The thing is like, this is what's really, really sad. Okay. So I did a little bit of, I just did a quick, um, thing before mm -hmm. we had this call as well, because I, what the way the documentary ended was, so Khalif had, had killed himself and then his mother, um, she did at first her, his, her mother, his mother got really, really upset and she mm-hmm. had a, a, another heart attack or something crazy happened. And then yeah. it was like her wake up call where she was like, actually, I really need to continue speaking out about this, about what happened to my son. And also I'm going to continue with the, um, with the city to do this, um, trial because, you know, we need to get some kind of compensation. Like this is not fair. Someone has, there has to be justice, you know? Um, yeah. so she started that whole, like, I think justice for Khalif movement. And mm-hmm. she continued with the, with the lawyer to go to the city and everything else. And what had happened was during this time, her health was continually on the decline. Mm-hmm. And again, the city kept pushing back the trial and delaying and delaying and delaying. Um, and eventually she ended up passing away as well. Um, so I don't know. And that that's kind of how it ended in the documentary. So you don't really know, um, what happened um, with regards to the trial. But then when I read on here, hang on two seconds. I did hear, I think I heard that the family got something. Yeah. So it was, but, it was yeah. in January. So, th- so this, so keep in mind, Khalif was originally incarcerated and arrested in 2010. So, Oh my God. And in January, 2019, the New York city settled the civil lawsuit with the Browder family for 3.3 3 million. Ugh. So, 
And I don't know if the, the thing that's like really disgusting is like, I don't know if his father got any of that. I really hope that he didn't because his father, yeah. like, you know what I mean? He wasn't around. Like, oh, uh, that father was, I could not believe him. Oh my I God. I could not I, believe. I was shocked when he came up in the documentary and I was just like, I know. I was like, is this for I real? I was so angry. Yeah. yeah. I was like, can they not? Um, and it was, it was after Khalifa killed himself, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's right. So after he killed himself, then his after Khalif killed himself, yeah, then his he father. Showed and up. I don't think his father, his father, his father didn't go to the funeral, did he? I don't think. I don't think his father g- gave a shit about Khalif no. ever. Oh my god, seriously, I was just so. I think now his brother, mm-hmm. um, Akeem. Yep. I think he's kind of uh, running the. Um, the foundation, they have like a nonprofit yeah. called Khalif Browder Foundation or something. Mm-hmm. So he's running that because I saw an interview by him. He was also, remember in the documentary, he was accused of like being a sex offender. Yes. He said that he basically what had happened was, yeah, he was, he was, um, charged of like kidnapping and, and, and sexually assaulting a girl. And what had happened mm-hmm. was I think that they were friends or they knew each other and she, they were just like doing something like, you know, you know, she, they're doing what teenagers do. Exactly. They, <laughs> they skipped school together and they fooled around and that's, you yeah. know, what most teenagers and do And then I can't days. remember what happened. Yeah. But basically he got accused of being the, the, the Bronx, like, predator yes. or something. I don't know he yeah. got accused of something crazy and and this was yeah. before Khalif when Khalif was younger exactly so then so then he got thrown into I think Rikers as well for a little bit and then I don't know exactly what happened but basically mm. he, he took is a plea now, deal. I think oh he he took a plea deal yes that's right yeah so he took a plea deal and then he's now a convicted felon essentially and probably a regist- he'll be a registered sex offender as well Absolutely. And now he, you know, he probably had a hard time finding a job and um, he can't vote, all of that stuff. So Khalif saw that. So that's Mm -hmm. probably another reason why he was so strong and not taking a plea deal as well. Yeah. Yeah. But also like it breaks my heart so much because I also feel like I'm like, damn it. Like as much as I hate to say this, like if he took a plea deal, like maybe he would still be alive and you know, like, yeah. It's just so sad. But this is the thing. It's like, what, why is it that the, 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 uh, that the judicial system is f- the only is forcing you. Basically, the option is you take a plea deal or you stay in prison. Like because they want to make you a criminal. It's crazy. I think though. this is how it started. Yeah, it just like blows my mind. Right? I, I, I don't know. It's just like because uh, remember what we said about the whole mass incarceration thing and how um, you know it at least initially, which was mm-hmm. not that long ago. Initially, yeah. when the whole mass incarceration thing started, it was a specific ploy to get black people imprisoned because again um and one reason and one thing for that would be uh because black people are are generally uh democratic voting so they they will vote for the democratic party Mm. and not the republican party so the Uh. more black people are thrown into prison uh the less likely they're not going to vote for the Republican party. Exactly. You know what and, I mean? They can't vote yeah. anymore. That's what and I mean. Also, yeah. yeah. And also if you're forcing them to plead, to plead guilty to these charges, they didn't commit. Yeah. Then even after they get out, they still will never be able to vote. Exactly. So, so that was, a, I think that was one of the reasons. And also not just, not just with voting, but they lose a lot of power as well, just yeah. politically and economically. Yeah. So it was used. And I think those, I don't know if it's now you still use deliberately in that sense, mm-hmm. but, um, those kind of racist, policies are still, you know, it's still making the same impact. 
as exactly. you know today. What, what was the, there was a one specific in the New York as well in the New York area as well. I don't know if it was just specific to New York, but they talked mm-hmm. about this um this thing called the the frisk and check or something, which the, the police stop and frisk stop and frisk. That's what it was. It's the most fucked up thing. I yeah. know. And then there was actually like a clip. I, I'm pretty sure it was in the documentary of like Donald Trump talking about how it was such a great policy. Oh. They need to like you know because I, I don't know if it's still if they can still do it or if it's like a. Um, they still do it. So yeah. I, I read up on this um, when they first started doing it, which I can't remember what year it was. Yeah. But um, this is when they were like really cracking down on crime. Yeah. And when they first started doing it, they were doing it in massive numbers. So I remember one of the years I checked um, was 2010. And I think it was it's been around for a bit um, at that point as well. But in 2010, they uh, I think they the numbers, the recorded number of stop and frisks in, in New York in one year was over 600,000. And out of that number, yeah. So the crazy thing is, out of that number, about only ten. Oh, what was it? I think it was ten percent of them were white, and then ninety percent were black or Latino. And out of that, also, like eighty-five percent were innocent. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's like those, and that it, that happened a lot. So like stop mm-hmm. and frisk was a very big thing for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then now they still, I did look at the numbers and there were still numbers from 2019, okay. but I think it was a lot lower. Yeah. So like they don't do it as much. It's not such a big like push to do it. Yeah. What, but like, they, they still do it. Yeah. Yeah. They still do it, but it, they don't do it as much. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, and you know, the whole, the whole concept of stop and frisk doesn't make sense because it's like it's literally just racial profiling. Exactly. Cause or it's profiling like profiling in general. Exactly. Cause it's literally, you can look at somebody and stop them, but like really like yeah. you sh- and frisk so what, them. Who, what kind of person would you stop? You know, like exactly. Would you stop the banker wearing the suit mm-hmm. or the guy wearing, you know, the gangster shirt? Exactly. Like, it's just profiling 101. Like, this is just so stupid. Yeah. And even the though, fact that, oh, yeah. E- even though that banker that you mentioned, he might have, you know, a few grams of like Coke with him or something or, you know, other 100%. stuff that would, that would get him arrested, but he, you're never going to stop him. Yeah. Like, 100%. Uh, uh, so, and I think also, like, uh, Khalif had also been stopped a few times. Yeah. He said it because of stop and frisk. Yeah. Well, he said, I think one of the teachers or somebody was in the documentary and they were saying, you know, it was like kind of an ongoing joke, but in the class, mm-hmm. like they'd be like, oh, so, so like if kids were late and stuff, oh, sorry, I was just stopping for us or whatever. She'd be yeah, like, How it many was like people? a thing. Yeah. And it was like all the people in the classroom would be like, oh yeah, who's been stopped today? Ever like half the class would put up their hand. It's like crazy. It's and, insane. And it's like, insane. And like automatically, even if you haven't done anything wrong, if police are constantly stopping you and checking you, it starts to make you yes. think. Like, why, uh, why are they doing this to me? Like if, if, if I was always getting stopped by police or even, even if I got stopped by a police today, it makes me nervous. Like it always, you always get that little yeah. bit of nervous feeling. And if it's happening consistently to you and your friends, you start yeah. to think, okay, like what the, f- what the hell, why are they always stopping us? Why are they always checking us? Like, yeah. do, I, do I look like a criminal? Like what is going on here? Exactly. You, you're being treated like a criminal. Exactly. And so yeah, the numbers were right. 9% were white. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, so basically the percentages are always very consistent. It's like yeah. about 9-10% white people yeah. are being stopped. Mm-hmm. And then um, the great majority is black. Uh, and then there's also Latinos. Mm-hmm. And then the great majority are innocent people. Yeah. Well, one of the things that could, that really like really impacted me, one of the stats from mm-hmm. the, the 13th documentary was when they're talking about wrongful convictions as well and how they were saying yeah. of people that are acquitted of crime, so like let to let go free, such as Khalif and yeah. all this other stuff, of the, of those people, it was like... Um, and 50% they, they, are black. Yeah. 
it was like 48% were black. So basically one yeah. out of every two people, and that doesn't include Latinos and everything else. It was just black people, I believe, that this statistic. Yeah. So, and one out of two, basically one out of two people that are wrongfully arrested is is black. So 50% basically. And that's, it's insane mm-hmm. because, you know, so those people out there that are still denying <laughs> that systemic racism, it doesn't exist. Please educate yourself. Yeah. Watch these documentaries. You know what the argument I found? It is so fucking dumb. Like, do these people do an ounce of research? Do you, so did one you of see the arguments... It? Yeah, what? You, I, what, I, th- what? I think I sent you the video, but I think you've watched it anyway. It was this one guy talking about the breakdown of family. Did you see that one? Which one? It was like this guy... Is it the one that you said you sent it to me on Instagram and then I you were saying so, yeah. the systemic... Re- yeah, so this is the one of the... Okay, this is one of the popular conservative talking points. Yeah. It's like, it's not because we have racism. It's because African-Americans, um, they're you know, have a lot of fatherless homes. They Mm -hmm. always talk about the fucking fatherless home. Okay. So let me just, they use this as like a, you know, an, an argument to say that like, Oh, it's because of the fact that, yeah, the breakdown of the traditional family family, and because, you know, these people, these kids don't have a father figure. That's why they turn to crime and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? Listen, there might be some truth to that, but let's actually explore. First of all, why are there so many fucking fatherless homes in African-American communities? Mm-hmm. Maybe because a third of African-American men are rotting in prison or mm-hmm. have some sort of prison you know, record. Exactly. Okay. So you cannot talk about fatherless homes without talking about mass incarceration because that's one of the main reasons mm-hmm. why a lot of these black families do not have... Yeah. fathers well, and, and, and they make it sound like it's like a character thing it's like yeah oh like they're just leaving because they they're just reckless fathers and they don't care about mm. their kids it's like there's so many other factors exactly well and think about even if we just look at Khalif's story and what happened with him and that happens mm-hmm. to you know all these other guys so yeah. even if they are coming back to their, their their absent fathers for let's say three years they're wrongfully accused they're incarcerated mm-hmm. they then then imagine they come back to their families after the three years of something like what Khalif uh, endured mm-hmm. And now they have mental problems. And so now they're yep. coming back to their, their homes and their families and, you know, they've been absent, but now they're, they're back and now they have some serious, you know, mental issues going on that they have to deal with and raising a family. Like obviously that's going to have an impact. Like, yeah. Uh, and, and they have a criminal record potentially. It's going to be harder for them to find a job yep. and it's going to be harder for them to, you know, be per- a, a father figure. Exactly. It's crazy. And then, so, so it's like these conservative arguments are so annoying because it's like, yeah, let let let's actually talk about the fatherlessness of these homes. Yeah. Because you don't actually care about mm-hmm. them. You don't care about the fact that these families don't have fathers. Because if you did, you would talk about why that is and how exactly. they can fix those situations. You exactly. don't give a shit unless it suits your narrative. So you mm. just want to blame. Basically, what they want to do is say that black men are irresponsible mm. and that they just leave their families. And that's why black people have such problems. Yeah. Never mind all of the racist policies that cause them to be poor in the first place, that continuously exactly. pushes them to being poorer. Um, never mind all the you know people thrown in prison for whatever the fuck reason. Mm-hmm. And then I remember seeing another statistic where basically they did like a study on like the you know because you know we talked about. In the upper ep- other episode, we talked about how uh, the U.S. holds like twenty five percent of the the world's you know prison, prison population, population. Yeah, even though they are only five percent of the world's population. Yeah. So U.S. has a ma- major problem with mass incarceration. Huge. So are they all just a bunch of criminals, or is there something missing? And I yeah. think there was like a study where they said 
Oh my god! The it was about it was, was like, it, it was about drug users, right? It was about like um, no, to- I'm, I, it was a different study. But oh, okay, you can okay. you can say that while I you can yeah. talk about that while I because I think I Google think if I remember thing. correctly, and you might have to jump in or else I don't remember this exact stat, but it was mm-hmm. saying that you know um, of drug users, it was like pretty equal amounts in the if yeah. you look at like white versus black in their in those communities. However, those um, those incarcerated for drug felonies um, were yeah. were predominantly black. Yeah, so you're much more likely to be uh, imprisoned, incarcerated, all mm. of that stuff. And you're also much more likely to, to get like a higher sentence for whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the drug thing, even though black people, white people use drugs in a similar race, a, yeah. uh, black people will are much more likely to be imprisoned for yeah. drug crimes. And I found the article. It says 39% of prisoners should not be in prison. 39%. That's so they insane. did a study. Yeah. So it's, ins- it's, it's, it's just, it's just insanity. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's on so many levels. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Like on one, on a, on a kind of, uh, well, ethical level that these people are imp- wrongfully imprisoned and should not be in prison. So that's number mm-hmm. one. But then also, which is a cost, a cost to society. Um, cause it, yeah. cause you know, when, eventually when these people do get out, they're going to have all sorts of, you know, problems, Absolutely. But, then, but then also it's actually a monetary cost as well. So like the society, well, all the tax dollars are going to these prisons instead exactly. of potentially, you know, maybe creating better schools, yeah. maybe creating better communities, maybe mm-hmm. having, you know, public health care, you know, maybe actually treating their citizens with respect, which will in turn decrease crime. Exactly. But no, you just want to spend all the money in throwing innocent people in prison. It's crazy. It is so crazy. Like, yeah. So it says that, so they did the study and it says that first, uh, many people who are in prison shouldn't be sent there in the first place. For example, mm-hmm. we found that 25% of prisoners, almost all nonviolent lower level offenders would be better served by alternatives to incarceration, such as treatment, community service, or probation. Yeah. And then 14% have already served long sentences for more serious crimes and can be safely set free. So basically mm-hmm. they're saying that like people are just being, you know, they're there. just rotting in prison basically. Yeah. yeah. 39%. And, and, Even and, if you were to say that that number is inflated, yeah. like how inflated could it be? Even if it was 20%, exactly. there needs to be some sort of, well, sort of and, reform. And my, my question with all of this is, mm-hmm. you know, what, what benefit to society is there for wrong for holding these people and incarcerating these people for this extended period of, t- of time. There's, I just don't, I don't see the benefit to general it's money potentially. Yeah. Cause we talked about, um, I don't know how many of Americans prisons are private, but that's yeah. one potential thing. So there's a private companies. Um, it's the free labor that when they use prisoners for, free for labor. labor as well. Um, it's political power. Yeah. It's, Ugh. it's just crazy. Cause I could never think that anyone would do this, but it's when you hear stuff like this, it's like, I can't help, but actually think that everyone in government is evil and all that shit. Oh God. Yeah. It's yeah. actually so fucked up. It's crazy. And then, yeah, it's so yeah, that's one argument that's fucked up because it's mm. like, Oh, like fatherlessness. Another, another it's one. It's not that, an argument. Exactly. Because those not. same people, those same people are against anything to do with like making sure, you know, there's like better public schools. They're against like, yeah. you know, uh, putting money into social programs. They mm-hmm. think that's socialism and communism and they don't want to do mm-hmm. that. So they don't want to do anything that actually betters the communities. They're exactly. just going to blame 
they're just going to blame the black people because they're just but, so fucking evil, apparently. I also like, though, when they use the example of like, well, look, there's successful, you know, black people that are mm-hmm. like business business entrepreneurs and things like this. Like, yeah, if they yeah, can do it, why can't you do it? Exactly. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, how dumb are you? Like, exactly. were you born yesterday? It's it's like if you pick, if you have, if you, uh, what am I trying to say? If you just pick one example of somebody that's successful mm-hmm. just to represent a whole thing and say, oh, well, why can't everyone be like this? It's like, mm-hmm. that's not the question we should be asking. The question that we should be asking is why is it that, and I can't remember the exact stat, but it was like, why is it that the average, you know, black household in America, the average net worth it's is 17,000. like 17,000 versus 170,000 for, yeah. you know, white, white, white people. Households. So why don't we start asking those questions instead of saying, oh, well, why can't everyone be as successful as this person? There's re- there's there's something going on here, you know? Well, they're going to say it's the fatherlessness, Oh, my Daniel. God. It's <laughs> the father. And then one argument I saw, I, could, I, don't, I just could not even believe that this was even... Like, people actually think that this is a good argument. Yeah. And it was saying something like, well, you know, Asian Americans are minorities, but Asian Americans are actually one of the some of the more successful they're more successful than than white people generally mm-hmm. than you know than other races so um you know they do very well in schools they make a lot of money blah 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 yeah. so like there's no such thing as i think that was the argument like because asian americans are successful and they're all you know they're minorities so why are they being successful if there's such thing as systemic racism yeah i'm just okay can i let me just i know that our audience is not dumb but mm-hmm. let me just talk to the dumb people that actually believe in this bullshit. Okay. (laughs) First of all, from the very brilliant Asian mind. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because apparently I'm just so so fucking brilliant because I'm Asian. (laughs) Asian (laughs) Americans were not brought. First of all, Asian Americans were not brought to America as slaves. Mm -hmm. They were immigrants. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very big difference. African Americans were brought to America as slaves Asian Americans moved voluntarily mm-hmm. as immigrants at, I think, a much later time. Yeah. Asian Americans are relatively new to America and Canada and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's one big difference. And when you move as an immigrant, they don't just let anyone just move, especially when you're coming from like overseas. Like it's yeah. not like Mexico where you can just cross the border illegally or whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. It, that's another whole nother discussion. But <laughs> Asians have to actually like, you know, get on a boat or a plane and move. So they yeah. have to apply to be an immigrant. And when you have to apply to be an immigrant, they're not going to just allow some random people to just come into their mm-hmm. country. You have to be at a certain level of education. You mm-hmm. have to have some kind of, you know, maybe a certain level of income already. You yeah. already have to be an upstanding member of your current society to be an immigrant to another society. Like exactly. when my parents moved to Canada, they had to prove that they had a certain amount of money. They yeah. had to go through health assessments to make sure that they weren't sick. They, yeah. We all had to go through health assessments and they had good jobs. They had to go through an interview. Mm. Of course, the people that move as immigrants are going to be higher functioning members of society because that's the qualification to be an immigrant. <laughs> fuck. I know. Why do I have to explain this? It is not fucking... What the fuck? And this is like their gotcha moment. They're like, gotcha. Asians yeah. are successful, so they're not being racist. We're not saying that white people are just racist to all minorities like that is not the discussion that we are having Mm -hmm. how do you not understand this 
I know it's crazy. It's it's honestly like it, oh. it kind of. And I know I know this is like a completely like separate um, discussion, but I do love mm-hmm. watching sometimes these debates on YouTube and stuff where it's like people will be. I watched this really good one. It was a completely different topic, but it's about um, it was these two um, pastors that were debating homosexuality. Like one was for and one was oh, against God. it. And, and it's they're so, both pastors. Yeah, they're both. And and the funny thing is, oh, is like God. sometimes like for some some of these arguments that people are making, like for example, the ones yeah. like these, these arguments, like the one you just outlined, uh-huh. when you take a step back and you listen, it's like, there's, there's no, there's no argument. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a yeah. non argument. If that makes sense. Like it's, it's a non argument. Exactly. Like these points that you're making, it's like, it's like when people like say stupid shit about vegans as well, like, Oh, plants yeah. have feelings, blah, 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 blah. Oh, God. It's like, these are non arguments. Like, why do you even, yeah. why are you even wasting your breath saying these sentences out of your mouth? Do because you know what I mean? the, the majority of humanity is not very smart and they will, some people will buy that argument. Yeah, true. Unfortunately. You know, actually, Speaker, yeah. I was going to say, speaking of these, these crazy arguments, it came up on my Netflix recommendations beyond the curve. So I'm going to give that, give that a watch. Oh, God. <laughs> you, oh, can you please watch that tonight? Yeah. That's the flat earth documentary. Yeah. I can't wait. So, so, so spe- oh. speaking of some really, uh, you know. Oh God. It's, it's like terrifying, but also very hilarious. Mm-hmm. That documentary. That's crazy. So yeah, Anyways, that will, I'll be watching that. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. People are just so, it's just, uh, it's just it's frustrating. So frustrating. Yeah. Like it's like, do they actually think that black people are just like, just culturally bad? Mm-hmm. Like, is that their argument? I don't, do you think? I don't, I just don't know. I just don't know because, cause it's like, they must be able to explain this mm. wealth gap somehow. But it's funny. Cause even that one guy, I'm going to watch this video again. Cause I want to figure out what his other points were. Um, but the one that was talking yeah. about the breakdown of the family, like he himself was a black man. So like, Oh, they always use the one black guy that agrees with their fucking narrative to, to sell this fucking garbage. Exactly. Because, because it's the thing is when you are, if you're living in a society that's, you know, I guess I don't like to use these terms, but like a white supremacist society, let's say, okay. Mm. And you go with the white supremacist narrative, Mm. then you will be more successful. Yeah. So then the successful people are going to go with that narrative because they're going to say, they're going to think, well, I made it. Yeah. You know, I'm powerful. I'm successful. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's maybe our problem. Maybe it's the black people's problem, Mm -hmm. you know, because I made it. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just like, Again, I'm all for, I, I really enjoy having constructive and not constructive, that's the wrong mm-hmm. word, but challenging and interesting debates. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. about different topics, about, you know, hearing different viewpoints. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people can say things where I'm like, oh, it, it really makes me think, you know? But again, as I mentioned, these like non arguments are more of like just a frustration and an irritation that these people are believing this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just kind of like, yeah. again, uh, it just, use some common sense and some logic, you know, like that's yeah. just my, uh, it's crazy. Cause like there's certain things that you just cannot deny. And like some of the yeah. stuff, it's like when you're presented with, with like facts and figures, you know, like we're saying like with the, with, with America's, um, prison incarceration rate and all of that, the evidence is blatantly there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can see the problem. Like you cannot deny that problem. Exist. But Daniel, they're criminals. Oh my God. So <laughs> <laughs> they don't have fathers. <laughs> so basically they're criminals. Yeah. Oh God. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. <sighs> and I, and I remember like one of the other, another argument that, um, these people just love to make. And I think mm-hmm. I heard Trump say this shit too. Oh God. Is like, what about, what about black on black crime? What about that? You know, you mm-hmm. only care when it's a white person killing a black person, mm-hmm. even though more black people are killing black people. So you don't care about the 
you know, the black people killing black people. You don't care about the crime in your communities. You only mm. care if it's a white person. I'm like, first of all, when did we say that we don't care? Like, when did anyone say that they don't care about the cr- crime in black communities? Exactly. That is literally what we are discussing because all of these things come from the same, like, it, it's coming from the same issues. Yeah. So, like, the black, um, first of all, they say, like, I've heard people say there's no such thing as like black on black crime. It doesn't really even make sense because, you know, when you have like violent crimes or when you have like people killing each other, usually they're going to kill people in their close proximity. And so white people are more likely to kill white people exactly, and black people are more. Yeah. So that's just the way it is. So it's not really like, oh, black people are targeting black people. It's just you just kill people around you, you know? So it's not really an argument. Secondly, you're like, yeah, we are talking about George Floyd and that specific case of police brutality. Yeah. But that is just one tiny little example of uh, the broken system. Yeah. That's not the whole thing that we're talking about. So of mm-hmm. course we should talk about crime in black communities which are which is very severe. Exactly. And what's and and how do we fix that crime? Okay? We put money into these communities and make them better in social welfare programs. Poverty. Yeah. Yes. And increase education, all of these things, which you don't want to put money into. I know. So, it's, just, it's, it's crazy. It's just like, it blows my mind. It really like, ah, I, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't know why you want to live in this world. Like, like that mm-hmm. kind of world. Exactly. Even as the thing is, if I was a super fucking rich person, okay, mm-hmm. I don't want to live in, I feel like I would be scared to live in a country with such high disparity rates because I would feel targeted all the time, you know, because if you have high disparity, you're going to have increases in crime in those, you know, poverty stricken neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and the rich people have to live in gated communities. This happens all the time. Yeah. Everyone has to live in a gated community. You have to have security guards everywhere. You can't Mm -hmm. have, you know, you can't be flashy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I don't want to live like that. Is that exactly? I don't know. Think think about how much better off as a society. And maybe again, I'm thinking like you know, in my little like my my little happy world or whatever. But like, just think mm-hmm. about as a society how much better off we would be if you know income there wasn't such high disparity between the haves yeah. and the have-nots. And in general, that if if the if the people that were super rich were a little bit less rich and the people that were, mm-hmm. were, were in poverty were no longer in poverty, I think that would just be beneficial for the whole society. You know what I mean? Like 100%. in general. So that's the whole point. Yeah. And then they'll like, have, again, it's like the whole problem with also like the destruction of the middle class, as they say, because mm-hmm. either people are becoming too rich or too poor yeah. and there's no more middle class. And that is, a, that's bad for the, envi- um, for the economy as well. Cause they yeah. say a strong middle class is good for the economy. Exactly. And, and also, yeah, just general public safety issues, mm-hmm. you know, for example, I don't want to go out and be scared and have a bodyguard if I'm going to go shopping or something, exactly. you know, I want to live in a world where we don't have to have so many people on the streets mm-hmm. and everyone can have a certain level of dignity and income and, you know, and they, everyone can have the ability to pick themselves up if they, you know, if they maybe screw up or, exactly, you know, like... I- why do you not want to live in that mm-hmm. world? I don't I actu- understand. I actually watched this. Um, I'm not, I didn't watch. There was this, uh, I, 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 mm-hmm. I'm going to quote it wrong. I'm going to look it up and I'll, I'll mention it in another yeah. episode as well. But there was like this, um, this really famous like CEO of a company that decided right. to, um, and this was in the States, I believe he decided to take a massive cut in his, um, salary, um, mm-hmm. in order to, um, 
basically distributed between the rest of the employees and he mm-hmm. brought all of the employees minimum salaries up to like 70k or something like something right. really really good so even like everyone in the company was like making you know really good money and mm-hmm. he he said even though he had to alter his lifestyle a bit because obviously he's not making as much as he was before he said overall everyone in the company was better off his employees were in better financial mm-hmm. situations which made it meant them were more productive and actually i think i saw it on youtube or somewhere he said um this same ceo said actually during this pandemic the, the empl- his employees were offering to to take small salary reductions to you know in or in this time of you know uh, troubles mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's like right. it comes in roundabouts. You know what I mean? So it's like he was yeah, actually they're better working off. as a community. They're like yeah. a community. That's the thing. It's like, like, but that we can't expect corporations to do this kind of thing. It's like this is why you need to tax the rich, mm. tax the fucking rich, <laughs> uh, and make sure corporations are paying their mm. their you know whatever they need to be paying. Exactly. Like, oh God. It, I, I, I go I, I, on and on about this. I know we could literally talk for hours. So <laughs> <laughs> no, see the thing is I, 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 I'm like with you in a many aspects. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm more, I'm not so much communist. I do think that there's some benefits. I'm not a, I was joking about yeah, being no, no, a communist. I know. I know. I know. Basically um, this is my political stance. Okay. This is my economic and political stance. I believe in a society. So I believe in capitalism to a certain yeah. degree. Yeah. Capitalism cannot do. I believe in a mixture of capitalism and socialism where you yeah. have, of course, for example, when you want to make a mug, okay, this is capitalism. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is not a necessity necessarily for you to have. Okay. Yeah. If you want to make a map, a MacBook or a phone, capitalism mm-hmm. does a great job at inventing, yeah. you know, great things. Yeah. But there needs to be a certain level, for, but certain things need to be uh, not privately owned and mm-hmm. not for profit. For example, hospitals should not be for profit. Yeah. Fire departments should not be for profit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, post office, like all of these things, there are certain things that the government does a good job or should do a good job at, at providing for the public, mm-hmm. um, as we pay, you know, taxes into that system. Yeah. And I also believe in a system where if you are incredibly, you should be able to become very rich, mm-hmm. but not to the point where you are, like not to the point of the U S where there's like 1% of the people making like, you know, 50% of the income or some crazy shit like that. Yeah. Like you have to tax people like, you know, they, what do they call them like marginal tax rates? So like, yeah, everyone gets taxed at a certain rate until like 50 K yeah. and then you get taxed a little more above the, so whatever you make above the 50 K you get taxed a little bit more. Yeah. So you still make a shit ton of money. So if I make like $5 million a year, mm-hmm. um, I'll be taxed at a certain rate for the first, you know, million. Yeah. And then my second million, I'll get taxed at a higher rate and so on and so forth. So I'm still yeah. going to take home a fuck ton of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, and and, and again, it it comes down to like why, and I'm like, I I have a very similar stance to you on this. I do Mm -hmm. think if people if people work hard and everything else, they should be rewarded Mm -hmm. to a point, absolutely to a point. But then you, we've created this world where there is such a huge discrepancy between some of these people, where you literally have individuals out there that have more net worth and assets than countries. And to me, I'm just like, that is so fucked up. Why does somebody need to have 50 billion in assets? Yeah. It just, exactly. Why does one person need to have that much money? And the, the, the real answer is they don't. And actually they don't, you know, even if they look at Kylie Jenner, let's talk about Kylie Jenner. Oh God. No one is going to sit there. I'm sorry. We're going to go off on the, like we're almost done. Sorry guys. We're (laughs) of course, as always, we talk above the regular time. Anyway, Kylie Jenner. Look, I have no hate on Kylie Jenner. Okay. She is just a young girl that was born into a rich family. Yeah. And you know, 
fixed a few things with her face, became very successful. Mm-hmm. Fine. Fantastic. It could have gone, you know, she could have become a, a less productive member of society, whatever. Okay. Yeah. But either way, no one is going to sit there and say that she, you know, worked so much harder than everybody else. And which is why she became a billionaire. The only exactly. reason why she's, I think she's now a billionaire. She is. Yeah. The only reason why she's a 20 something year old billionaire is because of where she was born and how she was born and who she was born to. Exactly. Like, this is the, the, that's why there's like a, there was like a lot of controversy that was, that was sparked because I think it was Forbes did a, an, an article on her right? and they, they had titled her the youngest self-made billionaire. Literal and, bullshit. Yeah. And people were like really, really pissed off about the article because they said, well, you know, yes, she mm-hmm. did work hard and she created a product or whatever else, but mm-hmm. the platform, how she was able to do that, everything else was Absolutely. because of the family that she was born into. Because if she wasn't born into the Kardashian yeah. family, she wouldn't have 150 million followers on Instagram to be able to launch products, to be able to mm-hmm. do all of that and have this platform, um, and not only ca- the platform, but the fact that she was brought up in a wealthy household had, exactly. a, you know, had basically everything in working to, in her favor. Like she didn't, yeah. you know, so that's a huge thing as well. Yeah. And plus, of course, yeah, she had the platform already a rich family, already mm-hmm. a famous family. Yeah. So and I heard that she makes like a million dollars for like a tweet or like an Instagram post. Yeah. She is not working that much harder, guys. Like get yeah. this through your head. This is a rigged system. Of course. It is not. So, so she should be taxed. I'm not saying that she shouldn't be rich, yeah. but she should be taxed. Yeah. She should be taxed at a much higher rate. Exactly. And yes, that is not theft. That is part of living in a society where you benefit the most st- still, even yeah. if you are being taxed the most. It's so funny because like, the, you know, I always, I always go back to this, uh, this argument. You're right. Cause you, I, you, bleh, what you said about like, she's not working necessarily harder than, mm-hmm. you know, working so much harder than everyone else that she mm-hmm. earned that money. Cause if you think about it as well, at the end of the day, there are tw- exactly 24 hours in a day. So do not tell yeah. me that all of a sudden this person that's making a million dollars a day or something ridiculous mm-hmm. is working so many more hours than say me or somebody else. Cause really yeah. there's only 24 hours in a day. Like that's it. There's a the cutoff. Fact that people still make that kind of argument is so just, it's baffling to me. It is the I most know. lazy, uh, uneducated argument ever like oh they just they work harder so they should yeah. no it's like you can't Paris t- Hilton is another example exactly of you someone that was just born into wealth yeah you like, can't you can't tell me that like someone like Kylie Jenner is working harder than let's say somebody that's like a you know a single mom <laughs> that's working three jobs to take care of her kids literally you know anyone I mean? is working harder than yeah exactly so like I'm sorry yeah you can't she say- has to post she posts an Instagram post and gets a million dollars are you fucking me right now and look <laughs> again fine fair enough that's yeah. part of the game. She's an influencer. She has a lot of followers. It's yeah. part of advertising. I understand. I'm not knocking her for yeah. making a million dollars per post. What no. I'm saying is the system is rigged if you don't think that she should be paying a lot more in taxes. And that, and it's also rigged. And she's just one example of someone that's mm. famous. So I'm just mm. using her as an expert. There's worse people out there that makes a lot more and pays like nothing. Exactly. And while the rest of the country or the world is not even the world, we can't compare to the world, but like, let's say in America, like again, like I think 1% owns like the bottom 50%, uh, the same as the bottom 50% of wealth or something, something like this. No, it's like, yeah, it's like the top 1% own 50% of the assets in the country or something like this. Or something like that. That's Which is crazy. crazy. It's crazy. It is just like, yeah. I just remember when I saw that, I did see this one thing. It was yeah. like on, on 
it was on the internet or whatever, where it compared the mm-hmm. top 10 billionaires. And these were across yeah. different countries. Like it was like, yeah. you know, obviously Bill Gates and other people. And it was showing these billionaires, their net yeah. worth versus um, which countries had the same, same net worth as these billionaires, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is so wrong. Like yeah. this is so wrong on so it's many so levels. Wrong. Like, and again, it's you're so right. You, you can't turn around and tell me that these people have worked so much harder than like me yeah. or you. Do you know what I mean? Or anyone in general. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, ugh. everyone should know that money makes money. So when you have money, it's going to make more money. Exactly. And it's just like a, it's a constant thing. Exactly. You know, if you have so, more money, you can go to a nice school, yeah. get a great education. And then of course you're going to put money into investments, yeah. make more money from that. Exactly. Cause think about it. Like even if like, yeah, like for example, if I had been born into a ton of money, that's just mm-hmm. it. Like if I had like a trust fund or whatever else that would be invested, mm-hmm. that would be making me money on top of whatever else I'm doing. So you automatically mm-hmm. are making more, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. ugh, money makes money. But anyway, oh, God damn, we need it. We need an episode on the, the, the problems with capitalism. Definitely. God that damn. would be a good one. That would be a good one. But, um, <laughs> even though we just went into it here. <laughs> true, true. But there's so, there's so much more to, t- to, to talk about it with regards to that. Yeah, I'm just, a, I'm just a dirty socialist, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, <laughs> Um, yeah, hopefully you guys um, right. enjoyed that episode. Um, I, again, really, really recommend watching the Khalif Browder story on Netflix. Um, another one of those really, really great and kind of um, eye-opening um, documentaries on um, kind of the flaws uh, with the judicial system as well as how systemic racism is so prevalent in in in, in the U.S. So um, a very, very good, an emotional watch. So make sure you have some mm-hmm. tissues with you and maybe some, Oh God, maybe a, I a have not cried so much. Yeah. It was intense. I don't know how you probably cried so much. I did, but I think, yeah, it definitely really impacted me. So it was, did you cry more in the Gabriel Fernandez story? Yes, but I, yeah. both of them, both of them are so emotional, you know, it's just such yeah. emotional stories and yeah, it's just really, really, really sad. So yeah. yeah, I like, I was like sobbing, like, you know, when you make noise, when yeah. you like sob, it was like that. That was me. Oh, I was gosh. like, holy shit. Yeah. Because it was just so, yeah, it was just so sad. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah. um, yeah, so that's it, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you learned something. Maybe you didn't. Either yeah. way, you uh, heard me shout, which yeah, is yeah. one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Um, I should just keep ranting. We should just do rants all the time. <laughs> That'll be a thing. I'm very good at ranting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So anyways, uh, we'll let you guys go. Make sure you let us know your thoughts in Mm -hmm. the comments if you can. Make sure you give us a little, uh, give us a rating. Yeah. And um, check us out on Patreon as as always, patreon.com slash the savage podcast. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for for tuning in, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.